today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Uh, the Ontario Education Minister uh, has announced yesterday, anyway, that the government has softened its stand, they said, on uh, class sizes that were announced uh, just a few months ago, uh, which obviously is related to the uh, negotiations that are ongoing right now, the talks about a new contract, uh, trying to head off labour disruptions. Joining us to talk about this is Harvey Bishop, who is the president of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. Uh, Harvey, thank you for the time. Good to have you with us today. Good morning. Listen, before we get into that, if you don't mind, just before you joined us, uh, I was talking to Manny Figueroa, who is, the, uh, of course, the Director of Education here at the Hamilton Board of Education, about a CBC report about violence in the classroom. And now, this is not a Hamilton-only problem. I know it's actually province-wide. Uh, and the, the essence of the report, I'm sure you've seen at least an overview of it, if not, if not the whole report, is that uh, teachers are concerned because they think a lot of this stuff is being underreported right now, and they're concerned that uh, that boards are not getting the resources to be able to deal with the increasing violence that's going on. What are you hearing from your membership on that? Well, exactly that. Uh, and it's true, I have not had a chance to look at that report in detail yet, although, uh, as you say, I have an overview. Um, but my members have been saying for years that um, that there are escalating level, levels of violence related to insufficient supports in schools, um, and that, that violence plays out between students and, of course, uh, between students and, and against some of my members as well, uh, members who um, suffer uh, injuries on a regular basis and sometimes to a grievous extent. Well, and this is one of the anecdotal stories that I've heard, because I know that when I, I'm looking at some of the material from the ministry, and they say, well, you know, teachers take too many days off. Uh, some of the teachers have responded to me uh, when Mr. Lecce said that on the show a little while ago and say, look, a lot of these are injuries that, that we sustain from students in the classroom. I mean, and you know, it, don't blame us for that. I mean, we're trying to be, you know, the, the, the peacekeepers and try to allay some of these concerns, and they're the ones that end up getting injured in, in many cases. And then there are, of course, the psychological aspects of this. This is a much bigger problem than the board, and, and frankly, I guess the ministry seems to want to admit I, I absolutely believe it is, and, and it, you know, my members, both uh, teachers and support staff, and in many cases support staff work uh, up, you know, the closest with some of the highest need students um, and are, are subject to, uh, to incidents of violence. Um, and uh, what we haven't seen, you know, we, we, saw, we saw a previous government bring in laws that required reporting, uh, and we're seeing that reporting not being completed in the way it should be. So the problem has been hidden and, and absolutely insufficiently addressed. It, is the disconnect at the administrative level? It, it seems to be, um, for various reasons. Um, you know, my members have been discouraged from reporting. They've had the reports uh, made inaccessible to them. They've been told that, you know, that punch in the head that they just received wasn't, in fact, a violent incident. Um, and, you know, whether or not the student is culpable, and in some cases you have kids who, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's not a malicious act. It's, it's lack of self-control or, or, you know, something along those lines. Um, but, when when you're punched in the head, it's a violent act, regardless of the intent behind it. Yeah, yeah. If you're the one that getting you're getting hit, I mean, you want to be able to do something about. It. We, and I find that in Congress, really, that if there is a disconnect to be on a straighter side, in other words, they they underreport this stuff because they're afraid of the the bad reputation. The only way you're going to get better resources and and more help with this is if you understand and and show the ministry the magnitude of the concern and the problem. 
Well, this is exactly right. Sweeping it under the carpet leads to just a further escalation of the problem. And we've had a very difficult time reaching out to... Uh, I've been trying for, for weeks and weeks now to get a meeting with the Minister of Labour. Um, and, and we haven't been able to schedule a meeting because that's where workplace safety should be addressed is with the Minister. Um, I reached out to the Ontario Public School Boards Association and said work with us um, and and we will work with you and there will be no you know sort of public shaming of of them and uh, OPSPA refused to work with us. I will give credit to the Upper Grand District School Board. Um, their leadership said absolutely we'll work with you, we'll, we'll get together, we'll, we'll uh, put in a detailed effort uh, to try to see if we can sort some of these problems out. They deserve a lot of credit. Um, others have uh, preferred to stonewall. Well, and I'm glad you you were able to comment on this today because I just wanted our listeners to understand that when we hear about negotiations that are going on with the ministry and and, and the federation, uh, it's not just about money. It's not just about class size. There's there's a whole lot on the table right now, and certainly that's got to be part of the discussion too. Uh, well, look, we insist that the number of of caring professionals in schools is directly related to uh, how safe uh, not just our staff but students are and how well they can be attended to, and that's certainly part of the bargaining. Well, let's talk about class size then. Uh, a lot of people saw this, the headline yesterday. Uh, Ontario Minister softens high school class size uh, hike in negotiations with teachers union. Uh, some are suggesting that he's giving you exactly what you want. Uh, you have a different perspective on that. Well, let's be clear that that. Uh, by the minister's own description, uh, the average class size in Ontario uh, schools right now is 22.5, and he wants to raise that to 25. The fact that he previously said, you know, or the ministry said they wanted to raise it to 28 is is a little bit immaterial. Um, they're still talking about an increase from where we're at right now, and where we're at right now has led to classes of over 40 students, it's led to kids not getting access to the courses they need to graduate. In the Hamilton area, it's led to what we refer to as quad-stacked classes, four grades in one room. Um, and so the minister is still proposing um, that, we, that we make the situation worse than that. Um, so, I, you know, I'll concede he's, he's moved from uh, talking about getting rid of 10,000 teaching positions to getting rid of 5,000 teaching positions um, that doesn't seem like a huge step forward to us. There's an area of contention that I think a lot of people don't seem to understand, Harry. You, uh, Harvey, rather, you just talked about this a second ago. Uh, when they say, uh, like, for instance, 25 class, well, what's the big deal about 25 students in the classroom? That's an average. Maybe you could explain to our listeners how some students, as you say, are, are, are some classrooms, rather, are now upwards of 40 students, not the 25 that they're talking about. That's exactly right. It, that is a it is a funded average. It's it's the the formula they use to to hire teaching staff to get funding from the ministry in order to hire teaching staff. But those averages, when you consider that some classes have to be kept small in order to address the needs of let's say special needs students, or because you're in a technology class that has uh, equipment that presents a you know a safety concern, or or uh, just you know there are, there are, isn't sufficient uh, equipment to have more. Numbers numbers in there. As soon as you hold some classes smaller, others, you know, it's squeezing the balloon. Another part is going to bulge out. And so we've ended up with uh, with classes that are that are 40 and more in various places around the province. So people hear that average number. It doesn't sound too bad, but the, the actual on-the-ground outcome is massively overcrowded classrooms. And let's look at what the minister didn't talk about yesterday when he proposed um, this average class size of of 25, 
at the same time, they gave us a proposal at the table that would completely eliminate the class size caps, the maximum uh, caps on classes that we have in collective agreements all across the province. So there would no longer be any guide rails on the decision-making for how many students could be jammed into a class. Um, I think the only limit would be, you know, how many bodies can you stuff into this particular room? Um, that was the proposal that uh, that he refused to speak to at his press conference yesterday. But isn't he hearing the same data that you you are receiving from teachers uh, in the classroom? I mean, I, I talked to some here in the Hamilton area that they, they said they've got students who are standing in the class because there aren't enough desks for them, uh, which tells me there's more than 25 students there. And as, as you say, if there's one because a special needs class with 15, well, to use their own numbers, that means they can stick 10 more into another classroom someplace else and still maintain those averages. So they're still within the the parameters, but is that really the best way to learn? Is that the best environment? Yeah, I mean, not only can stick 10 more, but must stick 10 more if they're going to find a class for those kids. Yeah. Look, I, I absolutely believe that the minister is hearing the same data, and I bet that he personally uh, even would like to do something better. But let's face it, he's a messenger for the Ford, uh, you know, for, for the premier. Uh, as a messenger for Doug Ford. Um, he's boxed in by um, a, a narrow uh, fiscal approach to uh, education bargaining. He's not, I don't think, permitted to look at what's really good for students. All they're looking at is a kind of bottom line, which even at that is short-sighted because education is an investment. It's not a mere cost. And if you want um, to you know, continue to graduate high-quality students into Ontario's economy and that economy to thrive, um, you need to put upfront investment into it. Is is it true? And I just want our listeners to understand the the, the severity of this. That you actually have multi grades in some classrooms. In in right right in the Hamilton went district school board. I've had reports of as, as we refer to a quad stacked class, four grades in one class. This is like the, so, that's so, like the little schoolhouse from you know bygone <laughs> days. You know, grade one is this role, grade two is this role. And that's happening in high in some high schools anyway. Absolutely. So isn't this ironic that while we hear the government and, and Premier Ford talking about modernizing the education system and the, you know, the minister gets to carry that message for the, for the premier as well, they're talking about modernizing and we've got schools that are you know, more closely approximating Little House on the Prairie. Just, it's incredible, just ridiculous, incredulous. I guess is maybe, maybe the better word here. One of the other areas that uh, that I'm hearing a lot from parents about, and you and I have talked about this in the past. And I'm just wondering what kind of uh, 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 feedback you're getting from the ministry on this, as you sit across the table. Uh, and that's the online learning courses, which are going to be mandatory. Uh, a number of parents have, have expressed some serious concern that their kids may just not be up to it, and they're not sure about the support services that are going to be available to them. And this this idea that the ministry uh, floated of four mandatory e-learning courses for every student is an absolutely untried experiment anywhere in any jurisdiction we can find in the world. It treats students as guinea pigs, um, and what we've proposed is we step back, we put together a work group. I, look, I've got members who every day deliver great online uh, e-learning courses. Um, let's all step back, let's gather together, let's look at the opportunities and the potential pitfalls before we conduct an experiment on our students. But we know that, um, you know, right now 5% of students voluntarily take e-learning courses. They want to ramp it up 20-fold to 100% of students uh, taking mandatory uh, credits. Not all students are equipped 
um, uh, you know, personally to take on that kind of independent learning. Um, not all areas in the province are equipped to provide the uh, the internet that's required for this. Not all students have the the you know the financial means to access the the equipment that's needed for this. So it's uh, it, it's a proposal that would just conduct an experiment on kids, and that's not the right way to go. Why can't we step back and be reasonable? But that said, the uh, the ministry has not responded to our proposal at all on e-learning, and that's disappointing and concerning too. Harvey, are we moving back towards this one size fits all for students? Well, that that kind of seems to be it. Um, and when you know when we've had a, a an approach more like that in the past. We also had, you know, you go back 15, 16 years ago, you had graduation rates that were 20% lower than they are right now. Over the last decade and a half, we've raised graduation rates by 20%. One out of five more students now uh, in a position to go on to post-secondary education, in a position to start an apprenticeship in a, in a skilled trade, you know, was something we have a, a real need for in this province is more skilled tradespeople. Um, so we've made significant advances, and if we want to go back to those days where we only graduated, you know, 60% of our students, uh, keep going down the road the government's proposing. I, I, because I, mean, I think we're smarter than that, at least I thought we were at one point, and we do have different uh, levels of education and different intensities, I guess, for different. I mean, with, there's an independent high school here, Westmount, that's been very successful for a, a certain kind of student. Uh, the, the baccalaureate program, great for those students, but it's not for everybody. Uh, it, it seems as if we're moving back to the situation like, okay, if you guys can survive that, good for you. The rest of you that can't, well, you're on your own. And that's, that's not really, I think, the kind of education system that anybody wants in this province. Well, this is, and, and exactly what we have done over that last decade and a half is provide opportunities for a wide range of kids. So we've shrunk the achievement gap significantly in Ontario. It's something we're really proud of, we, so that, so that um, new Canadians are achieving uh, much higher and much closer to the rates of, of uh, you know, long-established uh, folks who live here, so that kids who come from the lower end of the social economic spectrum, um, we've shrunk the gap to, to kids who, you know, who fall higher up. Um, that kind of equity that we've provided, equity to, to uh, fulfilling futures, is something that uh, I know my members, support staff and teachers, are extremely proud of. Um, and we don't want to go backwards there and freeze kids out of being contributing members of society and, frankly, contributing members of the economy. Harvey, uh, you've uh, put a request in now for a no-board report, uh, which uh, some people think is, is the first step towards uh, a strike action in situations like that. Uh, maybe explain that decision and, and what you anticipate. So it is part of the labor relations process. We're in the process right now of taking strike votes amongst my members around the province. Um, and we asked for a conciliator to be appointed and asked for a, a no-board report. Um, and what that means most importantly is once that no-board report is issued and if we have a strike vote in place, then 17 days after the issuance of the report, we would be in a legal strike position. Um, unfortunately, what's happened is the government has demonstrated, as they did in QP bargaining, that they respond only when they're on the brink, that only escalating pressure at the bargaining table seems to bring them to some sort of uh, reasonable position. Um, so, you know, we've been very, very um, moderate uh, all along, and uh, but the government has, has laid out a path for what it is that's required in order for them to start coming to their senses with regard to positions that are good for our students. 
Um, and so we are we are going down the the path that's laid out by the labor relations legislation. Are you confident about a resolution? Would, It's hard to be confident right now with a government that's still talking about uh, eliminating 5,000 teaching positions, uh, hundreds uh, and thousands of of support staff positions um, that hasn't seen uh, their way clear to providing any counterproposal on e-learning. It's hard, but we're not giving up. We're at the table. We'll stay at the table. We'll continue to put forward those proposals. We'll put forward creative solutions because that's what we always do in bargaining. Um, and we will hope that we are met with the same kind of, uh, you know, reason and creativity on the other side. Harvey Bischoff, uh, president of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. Harvey, we'll stay in touch on this and uh, we'll uh, see how this develops over the next couple of weeks. Thanks for this today. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate the time. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.